All right, Miss Carly, we're live. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. And Carly and I were just uh, chatting in the broadcast studio backstage for a minute, and she's jealous because I got my haircut today, and hers is tomorrow. Mine is tomorrow. Unfortunately, this is a video, so <laughs> it is. Hey, and they say digital is forever, so I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll forever have a quarantine memory. <laughs> oh, I yeah. do also have uh, bright pink post-it notes on my door that say, do not come in, go get dad if you need something. So no. here's to hoping everyone reads. John, John's got our back, I'm sure. Did you have Mother's Day? We did. We did. It was a little traumatic in the morning, but by the afternoon, things had mellowed out and everyone was good. So I'm sure at some point in all your days, there's a moment like that. There has to be. That is true. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we got a few people on here now, so let me kick this off. Uh, so Matt Farnham here, leader of Team Farnham with Crown Point Realty. And uh, we have our Real Life at Level 10 series where I typically am uh, discussing insights on real estate leadership and personal growth. But in light of COVID-19, we kind of took a pause on that content and wanted to be really relevant and just talk with level 10 people in my life who I admire or um, live their life at a level 10 in some aspect, whether that's at home, maybe it's in the workplace or leading an organization. And Carly came to mind. Uh, Carly's an incredible leader in our community. Uh, seen you grow a lot in the last couple of years. Carly is a leader. It's amazing. Um, people have the most amazing things to say about you when you're not around, just so you know. So um, anyways, excited to have you on here. Uh, Carly's the director of Fostering Hope uh, it is here in Las Vegas and a good friend of my family, good friend of my wife. I'm, I'm buddies with your husband, John. Uh, love your family. You're an England hero. That's kind of cool. So you have to talk about that for a second. For Derek England, we're all missing the Golden Knights right now. I know. Um, and you are one of the co-leaders of Team Sousa. So why don't we kick off with that? So tell us about Team Sousa and your family and, and just a little bit about you, Carly. Yeah. So uh, actually, John started it one day when we were um, on vacation in San Francisco. Uh, he hashtagged Adventures of Team Sousa and it kind of stuck. Our life had really felt like quite an adventure up to that point. Um, but we really thought with all of the obstacles and things that our family experiences, if we look at it from the perspective of it being an adventure, that it would change things. Um, so it would feel more like an adventure than a challenge. Um, so that's been around like probably about eight years now. So you can follow hashtag Adventures of Team Sousa on social media platforms. But um, my foster care and adoption journey really started when I was in elementary school. Um, there was a girl in my class that was adopted and I thought it was the coolest thing that her parents chose her. So from a very early age, I knew I was gonna adopt. And when John and I started dating, I said, hey, I don't know you very well yet, but I'm going to adopt one point in my life. So if you're on board with that, we can keep dating. And if you're not, then you're not the guy for me. Um, and he was like, no, totally fine. Like never really thought about it, but not against it. And I was like, okay, we can keep dating. Um, so we dated for about two and a half years before we got married. And we were married by one of our pastors at Hope Church. And just about two months later, we were sitting in church at Hope and Pastor Chip, who was the missions pastor at the time, was doing announcements. And he just said that Clark County was really desperate for foster families. And if anyone was interested to call the number on this brochure. And so John and I left church that day and we had never really talked about foster care. We had always talked about adoption to us at the point. It looked like international adoption one day, probably after we'd been married for a few years. Um, but Clark County was really desperate. It was in 2008. It was in the middle of the housing recession. People were losing their jobs um, and the foster care crisis was pretty extreme at that time. 
And so we thought, well, how about before we have children of our own or before we adopt, we can pursue foster care. And um, we thought it would be probably about a six to 12 month process before we would get licensed. So even though we had only been married a couple of months, we thought, well, we could be a part of these beautiful reunification stories or we could have kids in our home for a little while and um, foster them being able to go back to their birth families. And so we decided, okay, this is what God is calling us to do. And we took the classes and the only time at that point in the history of the Department of Family Services, they condensed 10 weeks of classes down to two weekends. So we took 30 hours of classes over four days and um, everything just went really quickly. Our home study went quick um, and they were in our home doing our final home inspection. And the licensing worker said, you guys, everything looks great. do you have any questions? And we said, no, like we were kind of appalled at how fast the process had gone. Um, we had been married a little less than five months at that point. Um, and just both were looking at each other like this was supposed to take way longer than this. And she said, if you don't have any questions, um, I've got a question for you. And she pulled a piece of paper out of her pocket. And on that paper, there was three sibling groups of four. And she said, you guys have space to take four kids. How would you feel about taking one of these sibling groups? So at the time, John and I were both 23. We had been married almost five months. And we just looked at each other like, oh my gosh, there is no way that we can parent four kids. Like, I can't even keep plants alive. Um, And so we said, can we tell you like tomorrow? And she said, yeah, take a night to think about it. And so we did all the wise things. We sought biblical counsel. We prayed a ton. Everyone was like, it's clear that God is calling you guys to foster, but four kids is a lot of kids to take at one time. Um, but we just really felt pulled towards this one specific sibling group and long story short, we ended up bringing those four kids home. It was a seven month old boy, a two year old girl, a three year old boy, and a five year old boy. And we ended up adopting them two years later. They never left our home. Um, and so through that process, we realized how much community really matters. Mm-hmm. I was born in Las Vegas and John and I are both really fortunate that we have both of our extended families here. And we have a really close community of friends. Um, But we really realized through that, that unless you have fostered, there is just no way to understand how someone feels when they're fostering a child. And that's actually how Fostering Hope was born. Um, Even though all of our friends were great and supportive, it wasn't the same as talking with someone else who had experienced foster care. And so we started having support groups in our home almost 10 years ago. And that transitioned about eight years ago to being at Hope because you could only be so transparent um, about the struggles you were having with your foster kids while we were at the dining room table and they were sitting a couple feet away on the couch watching a movie. Um, And so Pastor Tom actually was gracious enough to host our group at Hope and then officially became a ministry. um, The end of 2016 is when Fostering Hope officially started. Um, But in that time, we did adopt those four kids. We had one biological son. Um, We had a couple of foster placements that were with us and then were able to reunify to their birth families. Um, And then we adopted one more and had one more biological daughter. So right now we have seven children and they are 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, 15, and 16. Hey, that's impressive. That's been fun. I did a video recently where I screwed up two of my three kids' ages and you just got seven of them right. So so we won't know until we watch it back. And you guys love soccer, so that's perfect. So you got a family of nine, you can fill up a soccer field. I love it. 
Well, thank you for your story. That's powerful. And, and no wonder that you have such a heart and passion for, for leading so many families through, through this foster care system. So just so you kind of spoke to why Fostering Hope started and how it got started, just kind of high level. Can you speak to some of the just kind of the stats and some of the need just to kind of give perspective? Yeah. So right now in Clark County, at any given time, there's between 3,500 and 4,500 kids in foster care. And we have, at last I checked, about 480 licensed foster homes. So there's a massive gap between how many homes we have available and how many kids need to be in homes. Um, we have a temporary shelter in Las Vegas called Child Haven. The goal is to never have kids on the Child Haven campus, but the reality is there's normally 50 to 80 kids on campus at any given time. Um, and with the shutdown, there actually have been lower numbers on Child Haven than, than we've seen there in a really long time, which sounds like a good thing, but it's actually a bad thing because um, mandated reporters, so teachers, sports coaches, childcare workers um, don't have eyes on kids right now. And so there isn't anyone to report, report abuse if it's happening. Mm. So everyone in child welfare right now is kind of preparing for an influx of kids come the fall when things start opening back up, kids start going back to school. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing right now is trying to prepare for that influx. So getting as many families licensed as possible. Um, right now, Fostering Hope supports about 200 foster families in Las Vegas. Um, and those families are, I would say, a portion of them go to Hope Church, but a lot of them are just from our community um, that we've just locked arms with. And so some of them have taken their licensing classes on our church campus, and then some of them have been referred to us um, through other avenues. When you talk about supports, um, unpack that word. You say we support this many families. What Tell us how you support families through foster care. So typically, when we're not in a stay-at-home order. Um, we have a once-a-week support group that meets at Hope Church where we provide childcare for that. And it really is a time for foster families just to get together and to talk through whatever challenges they're experiencing. Um, we give each other advice. The goal is that someone in the room has experienced whatever it is that you're struggling through. So I would say that's our biggest avenue of support is really spiritual and emotional support. Um, we do have an online group, which is secret. We only add people to it once they've come in real life so that we know <laughs> they're a real person, not an internet troll. Um, and that's like our main way. But we do have a resource center called Hannah's Closet. Um, and you guys have been great partners of us there um, where, again, when things are running as normal, we're open about three or four days a week. It's completely volunteer run and it's all run off of donations. Um, and foster families can come when they get a new placement and they can pick out items that they need. We've got clothes, toys, shoes, books, um, a lot of larger baby items like swings and those types of things. Um, so those resources are available to families in all of Clark County, not just fostering home families. And we can in the comments, uh, we can post where that's located, but go ahead and share the location. Absolutely. So we're on the corner of Eastern and Wigwam. Um, and we... We've been at that site since the beginning of November. Before that, we were operating out of a few garages around town. So shout Listen. out to the for the rent for retail space. Uh, so with everything going on right now, how has just the, the way that you're able to support foster families, you know, actually operating Hannah's Closet, how has COVID-19 specifically impacted those two things? 
Yeah, so for Hannah's Closet, we are unable to just have families come in and shop because of social distancing and space. So what we've been doing the last two months is basically families will reach out to us and tell us what items they need. So if they're bringing home a new child, they'll give us sizes and that information. And then once we've gathered all of those supplies, they call us when they're in the parking lot and we just walk stuff out to their car. Um, we have not unfortunately been able to receive donations the last couple of months because of sanitation props processes and everything. Um, but we're hoping by June 1st to be back up running like normal where we can receive donations again and then have our doors unlocked for families to come and shop. Um, especially for older kids, we we like them to be able to pick out their own items. Um, a lot of them come through Child Haven with just the clothes on their back. And so we want them to be able to have a sense of ownership and belonging. Yeah. And so we're really looking forward to being able to have our doors open again. And we have a bit of a community space there as well where foster parents can come and hang out and kids can sit in color and you know, play for a little bit while parents get the chance to connect. Um, another thing we've done during the shutdown is we've made kind of what we called surprise and delight bags that your team actually helped us deliver all over town. Um, I'm sure whoever was doing the driving realized we really do have families in every corner of Las Vegas. Um, but we just put things in there that were completely non-essential while everyone is, you know, looking for essential items, but we had things like coloring books and bubbles and anything that would occupy a kid for a few minutes to just buy a parent stuck at home, um, a couple minutes of silence. Yeah. Uh, super sweet. Christine Jones just commented about taking donations again. So it sounds like June 1st was the hope for that. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we'll post that on all of our social media once we know it's for sure. Obviously, if the governor changes things in the next couple of days or weeks, we'll have to change that day. But that's the goal right now is June 1st. Now, are you still just kind of leading so many families that you support through this as a leader? How have you had to kind of pivot from your typical meeting on site? Are you guys doing like Zoom get togethers or how are you staying connected? We are, and we have had to um, be very flexible with that. So our group live would meet at 630. We'd meet at Hope from 630 to 830 every Wednesday night. Um, but when the shutdown started, we tried our first group at 630 and realized at 630 when there's not childcare, kids are running around and they're hungry. It is not a good time to try and have a support group. Um, so we pivoted it to eight o'clock. And so we've been meeting like eight p.m. to 10 p.m., which sounds crazy, but it's what's working for our families right now. Yeah. Um, so just trying to be flexible. And when we do something and it doesn't work, then we try something else and, you know, figure it out until we found something that worked. But what's really neat is there have been a number of families that have not been able to come to support groups live very often um, because of kids needing to go to bed early or whatever. And so it has kind of shown us that even once we are able to meet in person again, having an online option is going to be a benefit, I think, moving forward. So we've learned some stuff. That's what, you know, everybody I've talked to on these conversations so far, and our team included, they, everybody's realizing there's another, there's another opportunity out there, you know, especially for what you do for families that, you know, it might never look the same for you on the back end of COVID-19, you know, it might be a hybrid of both, right? So um, speak to the, we were talking right before we started about kids that age out of the, the system. Can you speak to that a little bit and just kind of bring awareness to that? Yeah. So um, if a child does not have permanency, so permanency would be either going back to their biological family or having an adoptive family. If they don't have either one of those options by the time they turn 18, they basically then get to make a choice because they're an adult. They can opt to stay in foster care until they're 21 or they can opt to have their independence. Um, and there are some programs that the Department of Family Services offers to help children transition into adulthood. Um, but the numbers are rough. I mean, they say that one out of every three um, kids that age out of the foster system without permanency will be homeless within two years. 
Um, and so, I mean, can you imagine like, even as an adult, there's so many times that I call my mom or I call my dad for something or, you know, who do you spend holidays with? So even if you don't have the opportunity to legally be adopted into a family, having some sense of family is such an important thing. I recently knew some friends who were in their like early forties and they adopted a 25 year old who was pregnant and she had not really had much of a desire to be adopted when she was a teenager. Um, mostly because teenagers think that they know what's best. But, and she said she had settled with the fact that she was never going to have parents and she was okay with that. But it wasn't until she was pregnant and realized that her daughter was about to not have grandparents, that it was an issue for her. And so she literally searched out a family to adopt her when she was 25. And these people did so that her daughter could have grandparents. And, you know, there's people like that that step up in all kinds of ways. But whenever someone says, oh, I'm too old, I should have done it a long time ago. Like you are never too old to, you know, make someone a part of your family, whether it's legally or just making them a part of your family by choice. I'm sure it's one of those things like if my mom told me a long time ago for my wife and I, if you wait to have kids when you can afford it, you never, never have kids. If you wait till you're ready, you'll, you'll never do it. Right. So yeah. um, how have you seen foster families? Have, you know, how, have, how are families growing right now that, that are in your network? How have you seen them have to just adapt and how are they growing personally or in the family unit during this time? Um, I think most foster families would tell you they've been in massive survival mode. Um, I would say to anyone that walked in and saw empty grocery store shelves at the beginning of all this, it was probably quite a traumatic thing. But if you think of a foster child who likely went weeks without eating, um, when they were in some some tough situations, that really triggered a lot of trauma for families. And I know even for my family, um, our oldest kids have been home with us for 12 years. And for 12 years, they've eaten three meals a day and multiple snacks and never gone without. But it was still something that was incredibly frightening to them. And so we've had to be aware of things like buying way more snacks than we could ever need from Costco and just leaving them all on the kitchen island, not even putting them away so that my kids have a constant visual reminder of the fact that there is plenty of food, it's not going anywhere. And so I think for foster families to have support right now from their communities, um, I would say it, what, what has been a huge blessing is the fact that we have been on the supporting end of other families for a really long time. And during this, my kids have been able to see the community that we've poured into for so long really pour back into us. The mm -hmm. first couple of weeks, it was almost daily that someone was dropping a food-related item off on our doorstep. And, you know, it, it's something that a box of donuts might seem so trivial to someone. But to our kids, it was proof that, like, our community loves us and our community is going to make sure that all of their needs are met. And to my kids, they could eat donuts for all of quarantine and be just fine. So They might not be the Newport Beach donuts or whatever it is that you you get down there. donuts, but it's because we have a gluten-free donut that I can eat and I will be hightailing it there as soon as they're open. <laughs> uh, so right now this season, you know, I think is a, a opportunity for, I had Vance Pittman on here as, as you know, and he talked about this season, such an opportunity for us to kind of do a hard reset on our lives, uh, reboot, if you will, really a chance to get new perspective. So how is your perspective as a leader uh, and as a mom and just, you know, this Fostering Hope organization, how was your perspective changing through this whole season we're walking through? Um, I would say for me personally, that it has taught me that I can never know enough. So the learning journey never ends. As soon as I feel like I have um, 
learned all there is to learn about a certain topic, especially related to trauma, that my kids constantly surprise me and that there's always more that I need to learn. Um, and I really have come to accept the fact that growing up in a healthy family, there are things about my kids that I will never be able to understand firsthand. And so I need to, as their mom and as their advocate, learn as much as possible about what they have experienced and ways that I can help them to overcome those things. Mm. Um, and I think it has taken something like quarantine to get me to slow down enough to realize how many of those things are still challenges for them. You know, our family, like all of my kids are in sports and activities, and we literally went from running 100 miles an hour to a complete halt overnight on March 15th. And being around our family in our home that much has allowed for a lot of hard conversations, but a lot of good conversations that needed to happen, um, especially with my older kids. And so I'm hoping that I don't forget those things um, when life does start to get really busy again and we do start to you know, go back to normal or whatever new normal is. Um, I would say as a leader that it has put me in a position to um, think outside of the box as far as ways to reach families, um, ways to connect families. There's things that we're doing now as far as training people that we have never done before, like online trainings um, and things that there we've realized that there are families that online training is the only opportunity that they would ever have to be able to do something like engaging in foster care, whether it's becoming a foster parent or supporting a foster family. And so why are we not going to continue doing those things after right. this? Right. Well, leaders are learners. And the day you stop learning, you forfeit your right to lead. That, that's what Vance says. And that's true. so true. Um, one thing that you do, Carly, you do an incredible job of just constantly bringing awareness. And I know this is Foster Care Awareness Month, which is you're being even more diligent right now. Um, but you posted something recently that I thought was just a just little things like this that you do do such a good job of bringing awareness to the rest of us to understand how to be sensitive or, or proper language to use. But you posted something that said uh, is about the power of words. You know, it was say this, not that. And we'll post that in the comments. Yeah. Um, can you just can you just speak to that a little bit like that post and just other things that you're doing and just how many subtle things can make a big difference? Yeah. So that article has actually cycled around for years. Um, I posted it probably a few years ago and then a friend had just posted it a few weeks ago. And so I decided to make that a part of our foster care awareness month. Um, but something like saying that a child is a foster child is something that's defining about them where you could say they're a child that's in foster care. And it's something that's circumstantial. It's not labeling who they are. And so some of those things seem really small and insignificant. But I think when you're talking about kids that have already experienced so much trauma, that those really small changes can make a huge difference. Um, and I actually have a really good friend who adopted probably about six or seven years ago. And she works for UFC. And she texts me right after I posted that. And she said, I'm going live on ESPN tonight. And I just changed my whole script based off of that. Oh, and wow. she's a foster adoptive mom. And so it's just things like until someone brings it to your attention, you just don't know any better. And so constantly trying to point out small things like that, um, that could make a big difference. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to hear about England's heroes because I just I don't you're the only person I know that's actually been a hero of uh, the England program. So what? tell us about that. that fun. For starters, Derek and Melissa are the most normal people ever. They're yeah. so chill. We had the opportunity to hang out a couple of times at that event. I got to go with John to a game um, and 
be honored, which was huge. Um, Terry Dodd actually is who nominated me for that. Oh, cool. Um, and I was like freaking out big time when I won because it's not something that I don't really feel like anything I do is heroic. It's my normal life. Okay. Um, so for someone else to say that it is a important thing was really families that would disagree with you completely. So sorry. Go ahead. Thanks. Um, but it was so cool that even after the fact, everyone that had won that award that year got to go to an event, a private event at Zappos. And it was only those of us that won and one guest each and Derek and Melissa just like hanging out the whole time. So I think they're my BFFs now. They probably don't think that they wouldn't know me if they saw me on the street. But it was so fun. And Zappos is like amazing at doing things like throwing parties. But there was like a monkey that was in a diaper that was just like walking around. <laughs> I mean, just things like that. that you're like, this is the weirdest, most fun thing ever. But it was awesome. They put out the red carpet and they really made everybody feel like celebrities. And what else is cool is it allowed us to be able to connect with some other really awesome nonprofits in Las Vegas. I got connected to Kyler's Kicks through that, um, which is a young man who has done some incredible work. And um, we've actually partnered with him in Hannah's Closet quite a few times now. So that was a really cool opportunity. Well, I know John's favorite part was the monkey, I'm sure. What's that? I'm sure John's favorite part was the monkey for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so kind of start to wrap this up here. How can people get involved if they're maybe not in a position themselves as a family to be a foster family? What what are some opportunities they can get involved? How can they help support what you're doing or yeah. those other families out there? So at Hope, we are building what are called care communities. And those are like six to 10 people that come around one foster family to just walk with them and support them. So whether it's bringing them a meal or offering to do a couple loads of laundry or cut their grass or things that all seem kind of insignificant in one siloed event, um, but doing them together as a community really makes a huge impact. Um, so I would say if you're not connected to any foster family or you don't know of one, like ask around. I think there's a lot more than you would anticipate, but anyone can reach out to us at Fostering Hope and we can help get you connected to some way that you can serve in the community. Um, at Hannah's Closet, we do take volunteers. So every time that we're open, we have a couple of volunteers. And so if someone was interested in volunteering at Hannah's Closet, when you come, you like sort through donations and um, help families shop or hang out with kids while their parents shop. It's all pretty low commitment stuff, but it makes a big difference. And I'm sure things like Hannah's Closet, a lot of people just saw, oh, I'm sure they have plenty of help. They probably don't need little old insignificant me to help. Like what, what is the need for real at Hannah's Closet? Is there, do you need a lot more people? Um, I would say we do. We do need more volunteers. There have been shifts where there's one person I have I serve with three ladies on my leadership team and all of them are foster and adoptive moms and they're all incredible. Um, and so they understand the need. So every time Hannah's closet is open, one of us from our leadership team is there. And then the goal is to have two to three other volunteers. And there are definitely sometimes where we don't have any volunteers and it's okay. We make it work, but we could always use more for sure. Awesome. And they just, if they, people want to volunteer, they just go to maybe Hannah's Closet Facebook group to contact you guys or what's the best way? Yep. Or just email me, Carly at hopechurchonline.com. Okay, cool. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. I want to know, what are you learning about yourself right now through this crazy season we've been walking through? That if God had told me when I said yes, that I would be stuck in my house with my kids for 56 days, I might have told him no. <laughs> <laughs>
Just kidding. I wouldn't, but I might've kicked and screamed a little bit more. Um, but it's hard, man. It is really hard to be around people you love 24 seven with no breaks. And um, I have learned that some of my kids do significantly better when they have physical outlets. So we will probably be getting back to sports as soon as possible. Um, but I have learned that it is okay to ask for help. I have learned that it is impossible to do it all. Um, and so I have to pick a couple of things and try to do those few things very well and not worry about the other stuff. And I've also learned that multitasking actually is a disservice to almost everyone that I serve. So <laughs> I am dealing with my kids. I need to just deal with my kids. If I'm working, I need to try and just work. And so I have learned that if I block out certain parts of my day um, and say to my kids, hey, I promise I'm going to play a board game with you if you let me work uninterrupted for the next 90 minutes, um, I get a lot more done. And I'm a better employee and a better parent. I love it. You know, one thing I love is you are a very authentic and transparent leader. And I think I'm serious. I think that's what people admire so much about you is that you're so easy to relate with and understand because people don't relate to perfect. And everybody usually as leaders try and put this perfection out there, but nobody relates to perfect. So they don't like perfect. Yeah, um, there's nothing perfect going on over here. I can promise you that. You're a good leader. You're awesome. And and I love what you just said, too, because the, the regular series that we do, I always say, you know, live do whatever you're doing or leading or walking through, do it at a level 10 yeah. and live with the results because we can't do it all. Yeah. But we're going to give everything we can to the time we have, you know, to give to it. All right. So a couple rapid fire. What is the first restaurant Team Souza will go to when things open up? Okay, so I am in love with Thai food. Naga is our local Thai place, which I love immensely, but they have been doing takeout. So we've eaten there literally 10 times over the last quarantine. So that is not the first restaurant we would go to, even though it is my favorite. I am really looking forward to going to Esther's Kitchen. Have you ever been there? No. It is downstairs. I have to break all of my gluten rules. It's downstairs. It's downtown. Okay. I don't know why I said downstairs. It's downtown. Um, it's a local restaurant. They serve in-house made pasta and like their bread literally comes straight out of the oven. They, If you order bread, it comes out this whopping thing of sourdough that they literally stab a knife into the middle and you have a whole dish of butter and it is so good. So uh, it's not like a Team Sousa appetizer too. in there when it's open. All right. First vacation Team Sousa will go on. We had booked Hyatt Huntington um, for spring break that we had to cancel and everyone was super devastated because it is our favorite place to go. Um, that's close. We like to travel all over, but that is an easy four hour car ride. So as soon as we, the hotel has not closed, but all of the amenities are closed. And what's the point of going if you can't use the amenities and go to the beach? So hopefully this summer, fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, Carly, thank you so much for doing this. If people want to follow you or get in touch with you or the Fostering Hope uh, organization, what's the best way to contact you? So my Instagram is team.souza. And if you get annoyed when people post a lot, do not follow me because I literally post something every single day. Um, Fostering Hope's Instagram is at fosteringhopelv. Hannah's Closet is hannahs.closet.south. Um, and then all of those same things are on Facebook. So awesome. And I have one more question. I wasn't going to ask you, but you just made me think of it. I don't know how many years you are into this. You're probably on like day 3000 or something. 
But you, I believe in gratitude and expressing gratitude a lot. I think it's one of the healthiest things that we can do. Yeah. You have been doing that every day for like however many months or years. Yeah. What has that done for you? How, first of all, how long has it been? And, and tell me how it started and what it's done for you. Okay. So when I was a little girl in the month of November, we would have to say something we're thankful for every day. And so once I was an adult and social media existed, I would post something publicly every day in November. Um, and about six years ago, it was December 1st. And I just felt like there's still so much I have to be thankful for. So my goal was that I was going to do it for 100 days. And then once I got to 100 days, I was like, oh, I don't feel like I'm done yet. So I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if I did this for a year? And so then the year was up and I was like, there's no way I can stop now. And so I think it's 2,387 today. But the truth is every single day I have to go back to look at the date the day before because I never remember. That's six and a half years. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And I will tell you that it has absolutely changed my outlook on life. I feel like I have, my parents raised me to be a thankful person um, and they express a lot of gratitude in everything that they do, but it has definitely changed my outlook. And even on really, really terrible days, it makes me look for something to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh, you're awesome. You're an incredible leader, Carly. Thank you for giving us 33 minutes of your time. We love your family and everything you guys are doing um, through Fostering Hope in Hannah's Closet. It's awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go, Miss Carly, and uh, close us out here. So, hey, guys, uh, again, you know, Matt Farnham here. Thanks for watching this. Carly is an incredible human being, as you can see, incredible leader. Uh, Fostering Hope's doing some amazing things with families and children here in Las Vegas. Uh, so look at those resources if you want more information, uh, figure out how to get involved, how to support them. And again, just thanks for watching this Level 10 Conversation uh, spinoff of the Real Life series uh, where we discuss insights on real estate, leadership, and personal growth. Uh, you can please subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, or you can uh, visit the podcast, Google Play Store, iTunes, however you listen to the podcast. Uh, these conversations are put onto both those platforms as well as the traditional series that we do. And we'll be getting back to shortly as things continue to start to get back to normal. So uh, have a great day, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.